sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. Happy Pete Weber Day, everybody. I think we'll just go with that. 12 years later on the uh, Who Do You Think You Are? I am. It's Andy, Brendan, producer Chris with you here on this Monday, 875-KTGR, to chime in on the big show. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we will have to make reference in passing to Mizzou with his uh, 14th straight loss in basketball, but also the coach that won 10 games last regular season in football, he talked as spring ball opens up. Eli Drinkwitz, we'll talk about some of the things that he had to say as we can look forward to Mizzou football and uh, Mizzou softball coach Larissa Anderson joining the show a little bit later on before we get you to Mizzou women's basketball coverage. 573-875-KTGR is the number to call or text. But before we do that, we got to do this because it's 5 o'clock. It's time for the top five at five on the big show. Number one. You want to trade away for curtain number one? You can have curtain one. Court storming. Are you for it or against it? I mean, it, the thing is, I, I understand it's very unsafe and uh, for, for players and coaches and even fans at times. I wonder how you stop it, though, because that, uh, that's the problem. And everyone's trying to find their solutions to make sure that situations like what happened at Duke Wake Forest, where Kyle Filipowski collides with a fan and uh, apparently gets injured afterwards, to make sure those situations don't happen at all. Now, first of all, Brendan's very wrong about Filipowski having any sort of uh, blame in that sort of sense because anytime you get uh, rear-ended on the road, you don't blame the parked car, you blame the person coming towards you. Uh, but regardless, I don't know what the best solution is. You can find the schools, yeah, but they're they're totally fine with playing, paying these fines and using it for recruiting tools. I mean, it's just, I don't know what the solution is going forward. So on we go with Court Storm. Number two. Number two. Your timing is impeccable. I can tell you what, uh, no courts are going to be stormed at Mizzou games this year, it seems. Uh, Mizzou men's basketball losing their 14th consecutive game on Saturday, losing at Arkansas 88-73. to Arkansas had one player go off, and Mizzou had one player go off. But Arkansas just had enough offense, and Mizzou just could not stop anyone on the Arkansas side. It wasn't just Caleb Battle, but it was several guys on Arkansas's team that Mizzou had trouble defending. So on we go, and the Tigers now have set their program record for the longest losing streak ever. That's not something you want to be setting. Number three. The Cardinals signed Brandon Crawford today. The longtime San Francisco Giants signs as a free agent. Reportedly, they have not made it official yet, but the 37-year-old looks to be joining St. Louis very soon. Looks like he's going to join the, the depth uh, at shortstop because the Cardinals don't have a whole lot of sit, uh, great players to have behind Mason Wynn at the moment. Uh, still don't have Tommy Edmond back. He's already going to be playing center field, and Brendan Donovan maybe not uh, all the way back uh, to, to being on the left side of the infield. So they go with Brandon Crawford, maybe a little more experience for that locker room. Number four. four. Oh, it's shanked it. Mizzou Diamonds uh, pretty so-so this weekend. Mizzou softball 3-2 and two at the Mary Nutter Classic. They're 13-2 and two on the season. We're going to hear from Larissa Anderson at 525. Mizzou baseball 2-2 two and two in non-con in Southern California. First home game is tomorrow for Mizzou baseball. It's going to be great weather. Number five. What is the five fingers? Say to the face. Slap. Not every day where I consider bowling a sport, but I have to on a day like today for Pete Weber. That's the Big Show's top five at five. 
on KTGR. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here. Bowling's a sport every day. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? You're having like a a Hall of Fame kind of, oh my gosh. You're having a great day with bad takes. Um, What do you mean? Well, you you got the broadcaster wrong on the bowling highlight. Well, that's not a take. That's just an error in... in Inaccuracy. That's a mistake. Yes, I I understand. Totally Give Gary Thorne. Give Gary Thorne his love. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Gary Thorne, you're right. Uh, Excellent broadcaster. And a great call on the, the Pete yeah, Weber moment yes. for bowling, which is a sport. So that's another thing you're mm-hmm. kind of. Right. And then really. this Filipowski deal, I just don't know what video you're watching to think that he didn't play. I'm hand watching his own the device. overhead video where he is just walking to the side and trying to get out of the way of all these people rushing towards him at a much higher rate of speed. And, and again, you're saying he stuck his leg out. Yeah. He initiated contact. Yeah, just as much as I initiate contact with the ground every time that I walk. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? You're so Stop angry. with this. Angry. Here's a good text in from Molly, who didn't take a, a stance on the Filipowski thing, so uh, you, you, can, you can take a breath. But she said, I think the schools need to get the basketball team and coaches and staff on board with not allowing storming of the court. What would you think of, she says, I'm a K-State fan, uh, Jerome Tang kind of told his his fans of like, hey, we're supposed to beat Kansas at home. We're not storming yeah. the court for this. I think you can also use it as a power move That's when so you real. don't storm the court. Yes. That was kind of like Wake Forest could have used this as an opportunity, as a power move to say, Duke ain't nothing. Right. We we do this kind of thing. Yes. And so I'm okay with either direction of taking that, but I kind of like that where you could also use it as like a, we're, we're, you know, we're a certain stature in our program that we don't storm for beating Kansas in basketball. I like that. And, and fans can attach to that too, right? You oh, can for have sure. that. So it it, it kind of depends on program to program because I'd Mizzou hasn't really stormed the court. They've stormed the field though, for football, but it, when was the last time Mizzou stormed their basketball court? It's no, been I, that's a, it hasn't happened since they since they joined the SEC. I can tell nope, you that. No, because I remember the the win over Florida when they were ranked number five. Yes, that would have been like my freshman year. That would have been a chance to do it, but they didn't. I was kind of wondering if fans would, and nobody really did. And so, because Mizzou was a little better at basketball then, so that wasn't yeah. like too crazy. Not a natural rivalry with Florida at the time um, in basketball. So yeah, it, it just kind of happened the way that it did where they didn't storm the court. It's been a while. Tony in Jeff City mentions uh, about a small number of trespassing charges were dropped against some fans that did get stopped on the field in 2010 for the football game between Mizzou and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, He said once they started profiting from the field rush, you know, with posters and pictures, they end up kind of dropping the trespassing charges against, I think it was like eight people, and that is the right thing. You can't possibly arrest them all, and so why even bother arresting a couple of the the poor slow ones that get caught you know what i mean like that just feels that just feels kind of kind of grimy to me so i'm i'm glad that, that nothing came of that and i think that's why jay billis's take is so bad because you'll never have enough security to get them all and so what you're gonna you're gonna punish a, a dozen kids that are just enjo- trying to enjoy w- one of the best moments of their sports fans career and you're gonna arrest them make an example out of them and what's it gonna do nothing it's not gonna stop it from happening because most kids, I myself would be included in this, would go, eh, I don't have to be one of the, the eight or 12 slowest fans on the court. I'll just get away from the police and get lost in the mayhem and not get arrested. That's not going to curb the behavior, Jay Billis. I just don't get that take. Yeah, it's not a solution. So I, I say move along from that. 
875 KTGR. Give us a call or a text. Sam with us here on the KTGR hotline. Sam, what you got? Hello, Sam. You there? Can you hear me? Yep, we got you. What's up, Sam? All right. So, so, hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, uh, so no court storming going on over at Columbia College, but we do have a conference championship for the women's team, 24-4 and four going into the tournament, the oh, conference yes. tournament. And then the men are 23-5 and five and uh, finished a game back of CBC for the conference championship. And they're going into their conference tournament, too. Uh, they've won seven in a row. So, with some good basketball being played in Columbia. Just, unfortunately, not in Mizzou Arena, but overall, pretty darn good from, yeah. uh, from a Columbia College standpoint. Absolutely. Southwell Complex, place to be. That's definitely a good thing to go and check out. Appreciate the call, Sam, here on the Big Show KTGR. Yeah, as far as the... Uh, the Mizzou team that's trying to uh, put things together. And Mizzou women's basketball kind of in the same boat. They're really struggling, too. They played a night against Ole Miss, trying to break an eight-game losing streak. Uh, but right now, last in the SEC standings at 2-11. and 11. So uh, they're looking to try and break that streak. But the men, over the weekend, set a record. And it's not the record that you want to be setting. 14 consecutive losses. And that's just at any time of year, not just conference play. Yeah, it's, not it's good. Not great to not be having one. that. Not even Kim Anderson did that. And look, Brendan, you brought it up. Like, I, I got <laughs> it. Kim Anderson it go. records. I got to let it go because here's that, why I got to let it go. Why? I like Dennis Gates, and I think he'll be a better coach at Mizzou than Kim Anderson. I mean, he's already done that with yeah. what he did in the first year. But, like, I think the trajectory of Mizzou basketball is still good. So, yes. But when I say, like, it's a Kim Anderson year – they're not going to win a conference game. So, yeah, it's comparable, but I got to let it go because I'm talking to, like, two dweebs that that don't don't deserve necessarily the airtime. So I just am going to personally let it go. You know, you can have a personal conversation if you, if you yeah. want to have a, a feeling about something like that. Right. But I just think it's like most people, I think, are, are attentive enough to realize the differentiation between saying that Dennis Gates is Kim Anderson versus – this season is kind of like a Kim Anderson season where they're going to lose most of their, you know, all but two of their conference games. They might not even do that. Kim at least won two conference games. But I also think next year, even if they don't crush it in the portal, I think you bring in the, the, the talented recruiting class and you probably are a lot more competitive. Not NCAA tournament level next year without a real push in the portal, but I'm not like waving the white flag on the Dennis Gates era. But it's okay to go, this season sucks as bad as those did. That's that's been my whole take the entire time. Well, it's been hard to watch, and those teams were hard to watch too. So it's it's a very tough place to be if you're a, if you're a Mizzou basketball fan. What? Yes. Yeah. What you got? I don't know. I just don't he buy. <laughs> I just don't buy four freshmen being like the difference makers. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not. Uh, that's not what we're saying though. No. It's first of all five freshmen, that? but that doesn't five matter, freshmen. right? I'm it's five stars. freshmen. Uh, all four star or better. But it's about hitting in the portal, and like that's what has to happen. Like if you're able to uh, to hit in the portal, get one, maybe two guys who can slide right into your starting lineup for next season, then you should be on the way back. But you see the tweet with Peyton Marshall where he says, "Como, I'm on the way," or something like that. Yeah, Peyton Marshall's still yeah. hyped about Dennis coming. Gates uh, visit, visited him the other day. And, yeah, uh, contractually obligated to do it. So yeah, uh, but he's he doesn't have to tweet about it. He's right. still hyped. That's Come why on. I'm saying, like, if you want to. Look, it, you're not going to win with just freshmen, but I think these freshmen are going to be largely different than the ones we've seen in recent years. And so I think there is at least a chance of 
having a more stable foundation. But yes, you need to get specific in the portal and hit on a couple of those those roster needs to be able to have it come back together quickly. And I think it like I'm still in an optimistic standpoint. Like I think it will come back together is is sort of my predominant overriding thought right now. But if we see the portal season come and go and you didn't you know, you didn't make the the substantive changes that we'd be looking for, then I'll start to maybe be a little uneasy going into next year, but still excited to see the young guys, the freshmen come in. So the roster is going to look a lot different. That's going to mean some of the guys that are on this team that might not want to leave, they might be kind of told that there's not a spot for them. And that, I think, is probably okay. I'm I'm good with that because I think that's what a program kind of has to do in the modern game when you're when you're picking and choosing through the portal what you what you need, what you don't. It sucks for the kids, but that is kind of why they say those scholarships are one-year agreements, right? They're one-year contracts. So you're going to see a little bit of that, I predict, and the portal is going to supplement uh, the foundation being built through through the high school recruiting class. Give us your thoughts, 875-KTGR, Mizzou, 14 straight losses in men's basketball, 875-5847. Let's go to Mady now on the KTGR hotline. Mady, what's up? How you doing, buddy? How you doing? Great. Let me talk that boy in from Florida. Please listen, Brandon. How much you know Kim Anderson? How much you know, man? When Don't he know was the man playing, personally. I know him. When he came to school, the school was missed. You compared by Dennis Gay? Come on, man. You don't know anything about the basketball, sitting over there, talking all the time, man. Shame on you. That guy was great. He did not want when he came, he was, he came out to clean up that kitty boy called, what he called, Gate, uh, Mike Anderson, all of them. Second, do you know more than Jay Belez? You need this rush, somebody going to kill pretty soon? This rush, the court? Absolutely wrong. How come you said if the, uh, what do you call, penalized school 500 pay, they cannot pay extra for security? Come on, Brandon. Wake up, buddy. Have a good day. Oh, man. Appreciate you, Mady, here on the big show. I think sometimes he attributes things that I didn't say to me, but I'm all I'll go good about it. I will address the Kim Anderson part. Yeah, he kind of is the whipping boy in these conversations, and it's not fair because he's a great dude by all accounts who it just didn't work out for at Mizzou. And 100% Mady is right that Frank Haith left the thing in shambles. It was cowardly what Frank Haith did to run off to Tulsa after you know knowing that, that there were some things going on behind the scenes that, that he didn't have a, a handle on. And so I don't have any respect for Frank Haith. I have a ton more respect for Kim Anderson. Um, but, you know, the, the records were the records. And so when I look at what those seasons felt like as a Mizzou fan just watching the product on the court, Andy, it feels like this because they didn't win many games. And, well, this year they're not winning many games. No, you can you can call a spade a spade. They're not they're not winning the the games that they should be winning, or at least that we thought that they should be winning uh, towards the end of the season. And uh, they have very few chances left to try and give at least a slimmer of hope, which would just be one win. Eh, the hope I, is going to be the same. It's going to be identical whether they win a game or don't. The hope is about the players that aren't here. Right. Well, they're at they're at Florida this week, and. They host Ole Miss, which is really their best chance left, and uh, and then Auburn and LSU were teams that have been playing a lot better. I just, LSU has been playing a lot better. Yeah, it's right. Been kind of crazy to see, actually. Yeah, I don't know. It's look. I think there could be also Andy some players from this team that that you do build around. But I just when I say some decisions are going to have to be made, you don't think it's a hot take to say that some of the guys that do have eligibility may not be back next year. 
if Dennis is is able to kind of warp the roster. You have five freshmen coming in; those are scholarships, and you're hoping to maybe keep a, a, a select few of the guys that are here, and then maybe guys coming in to transfer. Like the the spots will fill up in a way that if he's really active in the portal, I could see some guys potentially, you know, just kind of being told, "Hey, you may have a better opportunity for playing time elsewhere." Give us your thoughts, 875-KTGR, here on the big show at 517. We do want to get to football talk because, uh, you know, it's almost spring season. It starts tomorrow for Mizzou football as they'll uh, get their spring practices in. I believe the spring game is going to be in mid-March, Saturday uh, the 16th on uh, at Ferro Field, and so it'll be about four weeks where they're practicing uh, for the spring, and Eli Drinkwood spoke today to kind of preview the spring season, but also this was the first chance we got to hear from Eli Drinkwitz after uh, athletic director Desiree Reed francois left for Arizona, and uh, he was asked, I believe, by Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com what, what the relationship uh, was like, and here was his response. It's a little longer, but I promise you it, it the full answer is even longer. We shortened it as much as we could, but here was drink what's earlier today. Yeah, I mean, first, I think I had a great relationship with Desiree. Um, we worked well together um, to try to advance the not only the athletic department, but the University of Missouri football program. I think we accomplished that. Um, you know, no, I don't think it's a challenge to have somebody new come in. I think it's an opportunity. Um, I think with any situation it's an opportunity to improve your current condition if you look at uh, a new person coming in with strengths um, and how they're going to add value to what we're trying to build and what we're trying to accomplish i would hope by now um, that it's really not about me um, at all it's about how do we build mizzou football to last for a long time um, as a premier place to come play college football and whoever, um, and not only Mizzou football, but Mizzou athletics, you know, I want us to have the best of the best. Um, and that's from facilities to NIL to player uh, development, you know, to raise the standard. We're, we're the single uh, Division One playing football program in the state that has 8 million or so, 11 when you talk about um, surrounding areas like the potential here is endless and so for me uh, an opportunity to work with somebody new um, is just that it's an opportunity to improve the possibilities that was Eli Drinkwitz earlier today asked about Desiree Reed Francois and uh, of course now Eli Drinkwitz is uh, certainly at this point uh, the buck almost stops with him when it comes to all things Mizzou athletics. There will be another athletic director at some point. Um, there is an interim athletic director now. Um, as long as he keeps winning, he's the man, though. So it seems that way. He's the man, and I, the only thing the athletic director should be there to do is make sure that he's happy and continue the contracts to keep him here. And that sounds crazy. Because, has that relationship ever gone wrong? Well, in the history of college football. I don't know. Maybe possibly within the last two weeks, it went wrong. Like, you, I, you know, we don't. He's never going to say a, a negative word, and he plays the game so well with with the the public facing front and the media relations. He does so well with it. We're not going to know if there was there was internal division behind the scenes, Andy. It's all going to be hearsay. It's not going to come from him, right? So, 
I, I think it's really interesting that he just kind of uses it as a moment to look forward and to call this an opportunity and then have it's a stump speech for what he sees Mizzou athletics being. And every Mizzou fan should love hearing everything he said. I, I But he says it's not about me, it's about Mizzou. But I also think he is inextricably going to be linked to Mizzou athletics having that success because I'm a, I'm a believer in what Eli Drinkwitz is selling right now because I think he gets it from an NIL perspective. He understands the modern landscape of college sports, collegiate athletics. So I would like to see them bring in an AD that he is 100% on the same page with so that they can move forward together. And maybe when those, you know, it's going to happen, Andy, if he has another great season next year, that the the Alabama-type programs of the world, not Alabama specifically, given that they just hired a coach, but those types of programs eventually will notice what Eli Drinkwitz is doing, and there will be deep pockets at those universities as well to try and get the guy to leave and right now i'm such a believer in drink that i'm like hey mizzou just just put him in a spot to be able to do his thing he knows what he's doing he's handled nil so so effectively to this point with recruiting that like i think he's building it as a ceo of a program and like you said he's kind of the man he's the ceo almost of the department when you think about him being the 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 forward-facing figurehead of the biggest program in the department yeah and i mean it's hard to fathom us talking about Eli Drinkwitz in this way after, you know, look, it was a great year. It was one great year uh, after uh, a bunch of six and six and six and six. But I was going to say in July, is, like, this would have all sounded crazy. But I but. think the reason why we're saying this is because it college sports is changing and Eli Drinkwitz, this year seemed to be the year where uh, a lot of the setup that he probably envisioned fell into place. Like, having an, an offensive coordinator, having, you know, a staffer for every aspect of the department. Right. Uh, Which maybe having he didn't the experience, want at first. But uh, maybe, it's, but he realized but he, that he, he needed around. it. And so now yep. that he knows that he needs it, maybe it helps out uh, his uh, his future. And so uh, there's that aspect of it. Replacing the talent's going to be the, the main thing uh, and, and making sure that everybody stays healthy. We did hear from Eli Drinkwitz today. He did confirm that Sam Horn had Tommy John surgery and also uh, confirmed that, that it was more of the full uh, Tommy John that takes you out for longer, right? And, and not what Brock Purdy had where he was able to have Tommy John and be ready for the next season. Eli Drinkwitz said he anticipates that that's not going to happen. He says that they're only going to have him return to football when he's healthy enough to also return to baseball. So that's uh, that's the situation update there with him. Looks like you bank on him not playing this year. Yeah, I mean, you think about, again, Tommy John for pitchers, especially younger ones, they take time with. It could be spring ball next year for football that we're still kind of talking about it. Yeah. So a plan, they gotta they got to find a guy. And it could be a difficult position to recruit in the portal given the fact that like the guy that comes in probably knows he's not starting this year. There's no right. competition with Brady Cook. He's just cemented. You're, you're um, recruiting for next year, for 2025. And that needs, that's what you sell to a young player that was maybe just a freshman, so now they're maybe a sophomore or so, and they say, hey, there's an opportunity after Brady is gone. That's certainly, I think, where it is. So uh, the start of spring football, we'll see uh, what it looks like uh, going forward for for Mizzou's program uh, as it starts uh, pretty much this week. Larissa Anderson and Mizzou softball, they had a winning week. Three and two at the Marionetter Classic, facing some pretty tough competition there. 
We'll ask her about uh, what he thought, what she thought of some individual performances there and getting set for Wichita State, Nebraska this weekend. Coach Anderson joins us next here on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back here on The Big Show. KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app, Mizzou Softball. This weekend at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic with a 3-2 and two record. That makes it 13-2 and two on the season. The Tigers uh, coming back home for this week, and then they'll have one more uh, weekend trip over to Lincoln, Nebraska, where they'll play Wichita State and Nebraska during the Big Red Invitational. And talking now with Larissa Anderson, the head coach of Mizzou Softball here on The Big Show. Coach, uh, Came in undefeated, of course. Uh, took the first couple of losses of the season, but still some really solid showings from your group as you overall get a winning we- record for the weekend. Uh, what overall did you see from your group and uh, how they kind of grew through some of these games and things like that? Um, I mean, we were extremely competitive. Easily could have come back 15-0. and um, You know, not that you ever want to lose, because I definitely don't ever want to lose, but every loss, it's a, it's a learning experience. So... It was gaining a lot of information on some of the things that we need to just overcome and face some adversity. Um, in particular, that Baylor game. I felt like um, when we had we had a costly error that happened in the middle of the game, and we just didn't really recover from it. So you have to experience those things to to recognize how your team responds and and what you have to do to be able to counter a situation like that. But overall, like extremely impressed with our our pitching staff. Um, you know, they're really controlling the strike zone. They're giving us an opportunity to be able to win every single ball game we played at this point. So that's extremely it's successful. Um, really good outings by some of our offense production. You know, Jenna Laird and Alex Honnold are always in that conversation. But I was glad to see that Madison Walker had some better at-bats. She's one that we're going to rely heavily on. And I would like to see her in the middle of the lineup to being able to produce a lot more RBIs. But it was good to see that she had some at-bats. Um, needed to get a little bit more production at the bottom of the lineup. And, you know, some of the stats aren't um, an indication of some of their quality of bats. Like Julia Crenshaw didn't put together a lot of numbers, but hit the ball extremely hard all weekend long. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you can't see that in some of the stats, but she had great, great at bats, um, really good passes at it, really, really solid contact. It was just right at people. For sure. Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach with us here on the Big Show KTGR. And you talk about some of those players and some of the moments they had uh, starting to uh, get a little bit more consistent. And we did see some some nice moments. Uh, as you mentioned from Crenshaw, she did have uh, a couple RBIs uh, throughout the weekend. I know Katie Chester had a big home run to to really catapult you forward in the Cal State Fullerton game. Uh, what about, you know, these these last few games or so have you seen, you know, when, when you see sparks from players and, and they try to build off of that to build that consistency what what kind of is the next step to that when you when you know it's in them but they're they're just trying to make sure it's it's an a consistent kind of thing going forward yeah and a lot of i mean it's it's so unbelievably mental it's it's that mental approach and and not trying to do too much and not getting outside of yourself and you know madison walker is probably the perfect example of someone who her entire life is has been born and raised to hit and she wants to hit and you know every pitch doesn't give you an opportunity to hit and you got to learn how to take some of those pitches and maybe have a walk here and there. And same with Katie Chester. She's another natural born hitter and she's has yet to walk yet the season. So it's, it's swinging at the good pitches and hitting something, handling something that you can handle and not every pitch gives you that opportunity. Um, so those are some of the things. And when I see that they are disciplined and the, and the pitching staff that is facing us this past weekend, 
they're throwing a lot of off speed because we have a lot of potency and a lot of power within our lineup. And the only way you're going to keep that off balance is mixing speed. So every every team we're facing is throwing opposing pitchers that have very, very dynamic change-ups. And we had played, I think it might have been the Fullerton game, um, that we had an unbelievable approach. And we either sat change-up and hit the change-up hard and took fastballs or really stayed disciplined. And that's the discipline we need in every single game. And we lost that against against Baylor. So then the Baylor pitcher controlled our controlled our tenor and controlled our our approaches rather than us controlling what we need to do. So it's just staying disciplined to some of those approaches and and not panicking when it doesn't go your way. Well, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. The pitching performances that uh, your your entire staff uh, showed, it seemed throughout the weekend. Uh, certainly, Lauren Krings, as she's been able to do, had some uh, some solid outings. Marissa McCann and Taylor Pinnell teaming up for the shutout against Fullerton uh, on uh, late Saturday night was certainly impressive. There, Cece Harrison had a good uh, outing. And just a uh, what overall do you think worked for them? Is there uh, again, uh, there are some players that are still breaking into this level of the game, but also so some they're trying to work on what what maybe didn't work for them last year and try to build upon that. Yeah, and I'll start with Sierra Harris because she was she was really protected last year in terms of the outings and and the number of innings that she threw, and we're relying heavily on her right now. Um, she is so extremely competitive when she's on the mound, and she has great command and control. And I and what separates Sierra from um, Krings, and I'll just talk about Krings in general is Sierra can throw consistently both sides of the plate. She does not live on, on one side. So it makes her extremely tough for hitters to have an approach against her. She can throw a rise on both sides. She can throw her curve on both sides, and then she has a really good changeup. So it's really tough for hitters to have a plan against her, and, and she doesn't miss. She's not missing over the heart of the plate, so she's not getting hit extremely hard. And when the ball is put in play, it's it's making easier outs for our defense. Um, and that's where Krings needs to... That's what we're going to really emphasize this week is being able to throw to the inner half to left-handed hitters. And that's that's the one weakness that I'm seeing with Krings um, to be able to dominate that inner half. And, I mean, she throws such high velocity and is topping out at 70 right now. And, and it's really, really tough to turn on an inside pitch. And so we need to get that inside to lefties a little bit more because she dominates it to righties. Uh, about you know uh, Marissa McCann and uh, how she's been able to uh, again break in at this level and then take take the ball in a game uh, like she did late Saturday or late Friday night uh, and just be able to uh, almost go the distance but uh, but still be able to to keep hitters off balance and, and I'm sure it's been impressive from what you've seen from her because again you raved about her preseason it seems that she's uh, cashing out on some of that yeah and. And again, she's. I'm putting her in situations that I know she's going to be successful. Um, and also, we're going to rely heavily on her. And what was really fun about that Fullerton game is when I told McCann that she had the start, she she immediately glowed and a huge smile across her face and was excited for this opportunity. And I didn't anticipate for her to be able to go as deep into the game as she did. I had a, a second starter ready to go. Lily Wynn was ready to go. And I said, I maybe only get three innings out of her because it is new and it is a high level of intensity and maybe one time through the lineup. And she continued to go and continue to dominate. And she's able to do so because she's similar to, to Harrison. She can throw both sides of the plate. Her rise ball was extremely effective. So she was getting a lot of swings and misses on that. And she's got an unbelievable changeup. 
So when hitters are not getting on time, I'm going to leave them in until until they start to make an adjustment. McCann could have closed it out. Like she, her pitch count was in a really good spot. Um, they were not getting on time, but I wanted Pinnell to experience that seventh inning and what it feels like coming out of the bullpen to close a game. Um, but extremely impressed with with McCann's outing and going into that. Prior to that game also, she had said to me, Coach, I want you to get on me every single pitch. I want you to yell at me from the dugout. I want you to, to ride me. I want you to get on me. And I'm like, okay, like you said it. <laughs> this is going to be it's going to be a different experience for you if, if you want that out of the dugout. So I had to increase my level intensity for her. But, I mean, she responded tremendously in the effort that she put in. Interesting that a player would ask for that, you know? I know. Have... It's never happened before. I'm like, okay, you asked for it. <laughs> All right. Here you go. This. It's coming. Uh, Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach, joining us here on the big show, KTGR. Uh, you know, just the idea of, again, you know, three and two weekend uh, for your group. Uh, the two losses were, were by one run. There were some other one-run games in there. That it was all pretty close this weekend. It seemed that either uh, any of these games really kind of tipped either direction. I, I, I guess about the experience of doing that again, Against, you know, a couple of high power programs, uh, some experienced teams being able to take that experience into uh, later on in the season. What do you think it'll do for your group? It's going to be tremendous. I mean, you, you never, ever want a loss, but it's what you're learning from those from those losses and, and some of the adversity that we face. You know, to be brutally honest with you, the time change was tough and our game times were extremely tough. And, you know, some of those games we were coming off the field at one thirty in the morning central time and and having to turn around and play the next day. And that that's grueling for the student athletes. I mean, it's it's really tough on the coaches, but it's it's extremely difficult for the student athletes to put them under those conditions. Um, but we responded beautifully. Like we never ever gave in and we stayed competitive and we were grinding it out. And it's taking that adversity and knowing that we're gonna be tired when it comes down to postseason. Like that's just the way it is, and we play extremely hard, but you have to know what you need to do to get your body and your mind ready to play at that level. So those are the moments that we're going to take from it. And we're going to prepare this week for an unbelievable weekend at Nebraska and a great atmosphere and, you know, playing in front of a great crowd and some awesome weather. And then we're going to play at home. So it's having a lot of energy and excitement for what this next step is going to be. For sure. And again, uh, this weekend, uh, your final batch of non-conference uh, weekend games before, uh, as you said, conference play starting uh, the week after. Uh, you'll take on Nebraska, who was there at Mary Nutter, I believe, this weekend, playing some of the same teams that you faced. Uh, and then Wichita State, who uh, has already beaten a couple of other SEC teams this year. So a good start for them to the season. I just wonder, you know, with this with this last, you know, test before conference play, what you're kind of expecting from these two squads as you facing this weekend yeah and they had extremely competitive weekends and i haven't watched film yet on wichita um but they put up some impressive numbers so i'm really anxious to see what some of those videos show and um how competitive that they're going to be but i think what i'm most excited about is the atmosphere we're going to get in nebraska it's their home opening weekend so i know their crowd's going to be ecstatic it's going to be a sellout crowd it's going to be great for our players to experience that before we open up at home um, so that's that's really the energy that we're going to bring because it's going to be different. I mean, it's much different than playing in a tournament style with four fields going on. So we have to really continue to control what we can control. Um, our pitchers, especially our young pitchers, it's going to be unlike anything they've ever experienced. So we got to eliminate the go big red from from our, the noise and really focus on the MIZ. 
There you go. That's the, that's the way it's done. So, uh, again, this weekend, uh, four games in total for Mizzou softball against two opponents, Wichita State and Nebraska, on Saturday and Sunday as the Tigers will uh, get closer to conference play, which will start next weekend. Uh, but the Tigers this past weekend going 3-2 and two at the Marinette Collegiate Classic, 13-2 and two on the season. Great to chat with head coach Larissa Anderson here on the Big Show KTGR. Thanks, Coach, uh, as always, for, for taking the time. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Andy. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. It is the big show on KTGR and KTGR.com, and that'll just about do it for us on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. We have coverage of Mizzou women's basketball coming up in mere minutes as the Tigers are looking to break a losing streak of their own. They've lost their last eight. They're hosting Ole Miss tonight to try to get back on track as they enter the final week of the regular season. Brad Trinago and Kathy Wieson are standing by for that, so stay tuned to hear some Mizzou women's basketball. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. He's Brendan. He's producer Chris. I'm Andy. We're done for now.